Welcome once again to the Life Plus God podcast. I'm your host, Alyssa Robinson, and we got Reverend Doug Meyer back in the house. Good morning, good morning. Good morning. And so today, the big question that we're asking is on everybody's mind, how do I deal with change? Um, I don't know, maybe sometimes you feel like the, the world is just shifting all around you. And as soon as like you're done dealing with one change, another one starts happening and life is never settled. And I've had this conversation with my parents before of, oh, is this what being an adult is? Because mm. I just took care of this last thing and now a new thing has come up. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. when does life slow down? And they were like, yes, welcome. We've yeah. all been in it for a while. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, I think there's always a thing, right? And yeah. I think the, the trick is managing them flowing, kind of, you know, imagining they're on the highway, right? And there's just always, there's always something. Yeah. So... I, I just want to get an understanding from you. What is your general attitude towards change? Are you like a happy person mm. when change is happening or are you more stubborn or what, <laughs> what's your attitude? <laughs> well, I think I am a hesitant changer, cautious, suspicious. Um, like, like I, I'm sure we're going to talk about this, but there are so many different kinds of change, right? And I don't know if maybe we can come up with some cool way to talk about them, but there are like just everyday changes, uh, seasonal changes, changing this, changing that, changing plans. I will just uh, confess to one quirkism right off the bat. Uh, and I guess this is about change, and this might tell you <laughs> about my feelings about change. So let's say uh, we're going out to dinner. Wendy and I eat most of our meals out, and we have a little conversation early in the day or prior to that. Hey, what do you want? You want burger? You want pasta? You want da 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 da? da. And um, let's say we land on a place. Hey, let's go to Kenny's Burgers. Okay. And so I get that in my head, and then as we're leaving, she goes, "No, I changed my mind. I don't really want Kenny's Burgers. I want Mexican." That uh, that kind of makes my insides twist a little bit. Mm. Because I'm like, no, we already. I'm already committed to Kenny's Burgers. I can't. I can't. Now I. I will adapt, but I'll tell you, it kind of. Um, isn't that weird though? I get squirrely about that. I'm like, no, that's. I'm. And I don't know what that is that's committed to me yeah. to Kenny's Burgers. Because come on now, I mean, in reality, it's not that big a deal. But um, I think my attitude toward change is based on. Um, how much I got to be a voice in the change. Like if it's uh, thrust upon me, mm, I'm pretty like, okay, what's the deal? Why? A whole lot of why. Whose idea was it? Why do we have to, you know, just very kind of like Inspector Clouseau kind of deal. Mm -hmm. But if I'm brought in or I'm the initiator, man, I'm all in. I, you know, you can get me on board pretty quickly if you value um, my input. And if it's uh, something that I can uh, kind of, you know, get my arms around. So, and I think that there are, like you said, there are different types of change because the kind of change that you're describing are like maybe the daily inconveniences yep. of change that kind of rub us the wrong way. But then there's also like the major life upheavals that you don't see coming. And honestly, for me, 
I think I'm better at dealing with the big things because I, I'm kind of a clutch player. Like when mm. something just goes haywire in life, there's a big tragedy or uh, all the pipes yep. burst in my house or all of that. I'm like, okay, let's deal with it. Let's, let's figure this out. Like all we're all in this together. Let's do it. Yeah, I get that. And I, I'm better at that. Sure. But those little inconveniences, especially the, the food thing that you were talking about, like something that drives me crazy about some of my friends is we have worked together to put a plan in place of what we're going to do on mm. Friday night. And for me, it's not about like, where are we going? There's at the last minute, they'll be like, Hey, uh, can I bring these other people too? And I'm like, no, <laughs> no, because I want it. But I'm also like really big on like small group, one-on-one -on -one quality mm -hmm. time. And for me, the picture that I get in my head is about what is this time going to be like together as opposed to what are we going to be eating? Like if they change the restaurant at the last minute, that doesn't right. bother me at all. Right. But if they're like, oh, turns out my family's in town. Can they come? I'm like, mm, no, that that's changes. not what I wanted this to be. That's right. not the, and yeah. now, and then I'm the ass for saying, no, your family can't come, you know? Yeah. Or you get put in the, uh, and it sounds kind of pooey pouting to go, no, you know what? I think I'm out now. Yeah. And, uh, and then that creates this whole weird, I don't know if it's a power thing, but okay, well then they won't come. And then you feel horrible for saying, you know. Yeah, no, I get that because you get your head around, I and I do this too. This is going to be this kind of time with X, Yeah. right? So, oh, at least once a month, I'll have breakfast with two really good friends. And every now and then, one of them will just one-off bring somebody else. And I, it changes the chemistry. It changes my vulnerability. It changes the course of our conversation. And I kind of, I kind of pout about it a little bit. Mm -hmm. I don't like it either. Yeah, I kind of like shut down emotionally and yeah. I'm like, okay, well, yeah, you're not going to get my best gonna... stuff now. Yeah. <laughs> um, and isn't that so silly? It's like the little changes that in the grand scheme of life don't matter at all. Like it is one dinner, be open to new people. Yeah. Like, and I just, I'm like, but it's not what I wanted. Yeah. No, I, <laughs> little I, temper I get tantrum. That. No, I get that totally. And you're right. I When I think about like great big changes, I kind of feel a little, and, I, and I'm different now than I was a long time ago. I think a long time ago, um, I would have really gotten twisted around about it. But after a, a certain amount of time, you realize that there are big changes that are going to happen that are out of your control. And the control you do have is to make a choice to, all right. And how you manage all of the crap that's spinning around you mm -hmm. is going to have a big effect on just finding your way through it. Yeah. Maybe it's the perception of control with change of like the reason that the little change inconveniences bother me is because I feel like I'm supposed to have some control and you don't. in there and I don't. But like the major life things that like being in a tornado, mm. obviously I have no control over that. There's nowhere to place blame on that. Like the, it's just a major change that's going to happen right then and now. And you got to deal with it. Here it is. It, it's yep. like, oh, I don't even have the perception of control here. Like there is no, I'm not kidding myself at all like you just got to deal with what life gives you but it's those things that you're like I should have control over this and then you don't or you thought you did and somebody else trumped your control yeah mm. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. so I'm thinking of last year when was the big ice apocalypse thing 
2021. Okay. So we made it through it. I mean, we had lost power and all that, and, you know, that's cool. But um, we didn't think we had any damage for like two or three days after the power was on and everything was on. And uh, our house is kind of divided, like our main living area, and then down this little hallway is another bathroom and a guest room, which we hardly ever go into. For whatever reason, I walked in there one morning uh, to two inches of water everywhere in the room. And it had, as I backed out, I noticed, oh, it was in what I call my little art project room all over the floor in there. And then I looked down at my feet and it had come under the doorway and was under all of our hardwood floors. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things that is so big. Suddenly in the moment, I was just like, well, this is crazy. And I kind of felt like just shutting the door. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, just like, well, that was going to be my next question. Like when you, cause this sounds like running away from change mm-hmm. of like, I'm just going to pretend I didn't see that water, club water. <laughs> let, let, let Wendy um, find it a day or two later and go, Oh my gosh. Yeah. So yeah. when you, when you do see change coming, yeah. is it your natural tendency to run toward it or run away from it? Mm. You know, I think, um, Change coming, again, you know, I think we're going to just keep qualifying them. as. So let's make up, it's a big change, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, that you can see coming. Yeah. I begin to learn up, like I study it. And I, I like, for instance, here I am, um, 64. I know I sound much younger. But um, so the drumbeat of uh, things like in our world, like Medicare and retirement and all that, I hear the drums beating. And in fact, even I was late up here because I was talking to somebody in the hallway about Medicare. And, and um, he said, well, you better start finding out about it, but you know, because, you know, and there, there, so there's that little voice behind me that goes, somebody's going to take advantage of you if you don't learn everything you need to about that. So I make up that the more knowledge I have about the change, it goes back to the other C word, control. The more I can at least have the illusion that some of the change I can direct from knowledge. Like I'm a big knowledge-based person. So like if I can study it, find out stuff on the internet, talk to other people who have gone through it, then I'll collect up kind of my firewood of change, you know, and go like, okay, I think I know everything I need to know. Mm-hmm. And so then I'm more like, okay, bring it. Come on. Yeah, I think I'm I run toward as well, because um, I when I see a change coming, then I can put in the research I can and get excited about it. Like it kind of expands my imagination, like people kind of put the brakes on when changes are happening in the church, whether it be building usage, whether it be relocating, whether it be a new ministry forming or an older ministry sunsetting, all of that. Like some people are just like, want to dig their heels in and say, no, no change allowed. But when I see changes like that on the horizon, I get really excited about it. And I'm like, oh, let's think of all of the really cool new possibilities that we have. I get that, but I, so I get, so let's say you run, I will say I walk and sometimes walk quickly because I'm also a real, uh, nostalgic mm-hmm. and I, uh, I kind of have the big tape playing in my head of like the good old days. And I'm also, uh, suspicious of some people who want change. 
and why do they want it and what's that about and what's the spoken objective and what's the unspoken objective and all that, you know. So sometimes I probably spend way too much mental energy getting wrapped around the axle on it. See, I'm I'm a futuristic thinker, so I don't believe in the good old days. I think the hey. good days are ahead. Hey. The good days are ahead. Hey. Um, we had the better music back in the old days. But there is this whole, I know we constantly bring up Enneagram and I'm an eight on the Enneagram. And there is this whole idea around like, what's your orientation to time? And you're mm -hmm. very future oriented. Uh, as an eight, I'm very future oriented. As a two, you're present oriented. I was going to say, what are twos? Yeah, yeah you're present oriented. And so for me, I think it does have a lot to do with control. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I have control over what's going to happen in the future. I mm -hmm. do not have control over what has already happened. Okay. And so, so if I'm present oriented, what I know to be true is I have control over the moment, mm -hmm. more or less. Yeah. Right. What I do have control over always is how I react to the moment. Yeah. And I've come to learn that pretty quickly. Well, no, not quickly at all. <laughs> I have come to learn that over 64 years, probably 54 of which, you know, I was kind of began to realize what day it was. But. Well, well, let's get in some of the, the specifics of yeah. like how you, what you've learned about change in your lifetime. So what are some of the biggest changes you've experienced? And that can be positive or negative. Yeah. And how did you cope? Yeah, yeah. So that was an interesting question. I, you gave me a heads up about that the other day, and I started thinking about it. And so, um, you know, I had a pretty idyllic projected traditional life all the way up through high school. I did the college thing right out of college, got married, uh, which back in 1980, that was what you kind of did here in the South. And uh, learning to uh, live with another person was a change that um, I don't know that I really had the maturity yet to do. And that was, uh, so that's one. Um, parenthood, woo, doggy. That, so we had... Um, a daughter, have a daughter, and then uh, two and a half years later had twin boys, and it was chaos fill and a lot of just, you know, poo flying a lot, literally, <laughs> and then one of our boys got really sick, and so a lot of chronic illness issues, and that caused a lot of uh, financial issues and marital issues, and ugh. um. In, I don't know, now about 20 years ago, I had stage three cancer, prostate cancer. That was probably, I think I'll put that down as the biggest change that came out of the blue. Um, and it had all sorts of emotional baggage to it. Um, I was really angry for a long time about, you know, kind of what the hell? What? <laughs> prostate cancer is nothing. You don't like get it by smoking. You don't get it by overeating. You don't get it. You know, they have no idea how you get it other than bad genes. It's usually genetically uh, transmitted, you know. So thanks, Dad. Thanks, Grandpa. Uh, but it affected so much of who I was. And prostate cancer affects pretty much, um, you know, I'll use the phrase your manhood. And um, I resented that, you know, I, um, it was real involved. It was, you know, big, uh, big surgery, big recovery, uh, physically and emotionally. It caused a lot of stress at our house. And um, I don't know, I, you know, I look back at it now and I appreciate the fact that I'm alive 
there were times early on because, just to be real honest with you, uh, it affects your ability as a man to have an erection, to you're incontinent for a while. And uh, it probably is like a big hit to your confidence and self esteem. Oh, absolutely. And everything that you've seen yourself as. Prior to that, you know, th- those were big players in my life, no. <laughs> so to speak. And um, they don't really, nobody gives you the psychological help. To process that, mm. um, there aren't groups. Or at least, there might be now, but back then, you know. Well, because it's, it's all focused on your physical well-being. Like first and foremost, let's let's make sure you survive this, you right. know. And that's where we're going to put all of our eggs in that basket. Forget about everything else. Put everything else on the right. back burner. But at the same time, like this whole psychological, you know, crisis is happening within you that you're just putting on the back burner, trying to make sure that you survive this. Right. Yeah. And I asked for that. I told my surgeon take whatever you have to take, you know, help, help me stay alive. And he did. And, um, it's, well, it's, it's kind of funny now. It wasn't funny then. Like, so, you know, you have follow-up appointments pretty regularly, but my surgeon, um, was great about the medical, but not the mental. Mm. He did not, uh, anytime I would start talking about depression or any of the other, uh, symptoms I was having, he would begin that, that slow walk backwards out the, uh, you know, out the door and say, well, here, you might want to call these people. Mm. And at the me- same time, my, um, I'm going to say male ego and maybe female egos would re- react similarly. And I think maybe they, they do in different cases, but, uh, I didn't, I didn't know. I, I felt some shame even that, Hey, you survived. Why are you worried about this other part of your identity? And um, just be grateful. You should just be happy you're alive. Yeah. 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 I heard that a lot. And um, I wouldn't, you know, there were some times that I was like, well, the hell with all this. I would rather have that and, you know, die in five years. That was pretty short sighted, but it was real. Mm. So uh, I had some issues with depression coming out of that. So we'll put that up. And then right underneath that was probably the ending of my marriage. And um, we wrestled with that for a long time, meaning like five years of counseling. And, uh, you know, we're both professionals, both well-educated, but our education couldn't fix that. There were parts of our marriage that just were broken. And um, there came a point where we neither one had any longer the uh, interest or energy to to keep trying to fix it. And, um, you know, it, it, that too was kind of weird because like our kids, when we told them, uh, we're looking for a bigger dramatic reason. Mm-hmm. And um, I think they would almost have preferred one of us have an affair or, or do something that was irretrievable. To our commitment to one. I mean, it goes back to like wanting to be able to have something to blame. You yep. know, it gives you, even if it's still a tragedy, it still gives you that semblance of control. Sure. And be like, okay, yes, this change is happening, mm-hmm. but it's for specific reasons. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting. That's now about 11 or 12 years in the rearview mirror. And I think I'm healthier and happier. My ex is healthier and happier. And our kids have adapted to it. You know, I think, um, I don't know, it's just really hard to get your head around uh, commitments and promises that no longer are in place. Mm. And um, 
not letting that then also define the rest of your, you know, time or whatever. So yeah. those are probably, and then <laughs> it's funny. I was talking to Wendy this morning about this and this very question. And she said, well, you're leaving a big one out. I was like what? She said, well, growing older. But yeah, I was thinking of that because there's like the major life upheavals of like a bad diagnosis or, you know, just like those, you suddenly get bad news yeah, and you have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and even a divorce can, for my divorce, it mm-hmm. felt that way of like, I woke up one day and he said, I don't want to be married to you anymore. Mm-hmm. Like that was very Boom. sudden bad news <laughs> that then I had to deal with mm-hmm. the fallout of it. But then there's also like the slow grind of change Yeah, that yeah. sometimes you, you don't even realize you're in it. Right. And I think aging is a perfect example of that. It, um, we are all aging, right, every day. And um, there seem to be like pivotal moments when, um, and we're both kind of facing some of those, like your body seems to betray you. You want it to be able to do this and that. and This know. used to be so easy. <laughs> yeah, it creaks and croaks and moans yeah. and things that never used to be sore now are. And, uh, you know, when you see a physician, they're like, well, you know, a person your age. Yeah. You'll look, that, that phrase, you just want to slap them. Well, I'm even starting to notice things, too, of like, you know, in my 20s, flexibility was just a given. Mm. I never had to stretch, and I was always able to touch my toes, no problem, and, like, I've always been a really athletic, well, yeah, flexible yeah. person. And now, all of a sudden, like, my body just feels tight all Urgh. the time. Yep. And my friend's like, well, do you do your daily stretches? I'm like, what? well, no, because I'm not 65 years old. <laughs> <laughs> Like, yeah, yeah. So advice from a 65, almost 65-year-old, do your stretches. Do your daily stretches. Get those, like, <laughs> stretchy band things yeah. and just, uh, you know, so uh, just we now, that's part of our routine in the morning. Wake up, let the dogs out, have coffee, stretch. Yeah. Isn't that wild? And I think that that's more, probably more likely the type of change that I'm, like, a change denier. We all mm-hmm. are to some mm-hmm. extent. Like, mm-hmm. we're all in denial of our aging bodies. <laughs> But I know my 89-year-old granddad is because he helped a woman change a tire a few weeks ago. And I was like, you can barely stand upright. I get that. (laughs) But I make up that that was really important to him to be able to still do that. Now, he might have paid for it for a couple, you know, lucky he didn't hurt himself or hurt his back or something. I know. Yeah. Yeah, Uh, yeah, yeah. But it's just those things that's like you you don't want to believe that it's happening to you. No, no, you don't. And But you're reminded every day, just trying to get out of bed or lift something or, you know, just look in the mirror, you know. So, yeah, I, you know, I get it. So as you, you, you've gone through a lot of changes, like you have a lifetime of changes that you can look back on. And it seems like the theme through all of those was like change intervention, change intervention, change intervention. Um, how do we stop this from happening or how do we, you know, it's triage, you know, yeah. five years of therapy to try and save a marriage is triage, right. you know, but now it seems like you're at a point where you're more accepting of change and you're more like, I, I can't imagine someone more relaxed than you when it uh-huh. comes to like people come to you and they're really stressed and worked up about something. And you're just like, mm-hmm. 
<laughs> you know, uh, uh, bless your heart. Yeah, sort of well, reaction. <laughs> yeah, man, that sucks. Sit down. Let's have some coffee. Yeah. Um, Does that extend to your own? Have you become that way with facing change personally as well? You know, yeah, I have. And I think it is just a matter of, um, I think I chose one day to say, you know what, how I had previously done it would be, uh, is totally opposite. I used to get all twisted up and would get um, angry and have just kind of, you know, uh, burst, you know, that's not the right word, just uh, explode at people. And um, <laughs> I don't know what exactly, I think going through recovery helped me to realize we all have a choice in every moment the power to make a better choice mm -hmm. or a sane choice. And, um, well, I was going to ask how, how did you get to this point? And so you think that recovery had a huge, so. well, I think it was a, a, a secondary effect of, um, learning how to just be more present. And, uh, in the moment, the synapses fire mm -hmm. to go, okay, there, you know, I have the ability to make a better choice. Mm -hmm. I don't have to holler. I don't have to do this. I don't have to do that. Take a deep breath. And um, so now it just kind of comes naturally. I mean, there's still things that just tick me off and, and send me off. But um, I think it is uh, like I, I appreciate you noticing that. And I think I take some pleasure in people realizing, hey, you're, you know, one of the sane ones in the moment in the midst of the whirlwind panic. Yeah. Yeah. No. And it's like, well, I mean, um, I think maybe on the backside of that is realizing, you know what, right now in this situation, there's only so much of this you have control over. Mm -hmm. But one of the things you have control over is your mind and your breathing. <sighs> you yeah. Know? Well, and I, I want to learn from you. Like how, how do you stay open to change? Because, mm -hmm. As I am getting older, I think that um, in your 30s and your 40s, you start to see like, oh, there is an end, yeah. you know, yep, and yep, your yep. 20s, you're invincible. Um, but in your 30s and 40s, I, I start to see my future. I see the uh, people who are entering their 60s, 70s, 80s. And there are certain characteristics that you see in people that you're like, oh, I don't want to be like that. Yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to be the angry older person who's just constantly resistant to change and stubborn and just like stewing all the time. And we, I think we all have examples of that mm -hmm. person in our lives, whether it be someone in your family, someone that you're tangentially mm -hmm. associated with. And I so badly don't want to be that, but right. I don't think that there's, we're, we're not really taught how not to become that. My grandmother was such a beautiful example of somebody who's like just always stayed open to right. change. And yep. she like loved learning from young people. And I'm like, Oh, I want to be like that. I want to be well, the person who listens. I think, um, I think that right there would be my number one is have a really, um, adventuresome attitude of towards learning. Like I love to learn. I love to go to workshops. I love to read. I love to listen to podcasts. I love to expose myself to, uh, to thinkers. You know, I love uh, Simon Sinek. I love, you know, people, TED Talks. I love making myself imagine, you know, that phrase, what else could be true? And is that uh, natural for you? Have you always been this way? Or is that something that you did with intentionality at some point? 
Um, I've always liked learning. I was kind of an academic bookie nerd kid, you know, and um, I grew up in a pretty, not rural, but very hardworking, blue-collar, working-class folks. And I think I realized that, A, I didn't want to be what I thought back then was stuck there and that I saw education and expansion as a way out. And so because of that, I... uh, I always kind of pursued opportunities like uh, trips and going abroad and going on mission trips and, you know, uh, look, see, taste, sample, do, you know, talk to and um, realize that, um, man, it's a great big old world out there, you know. And um, you, I think the description you were given is kind of, um, I was reading about this a little bit and th- there was a, a conversation about mindset and some people are rigid, and I think that's what we both aspire to not be, mm-hmm. that everything is kind of fixed, and that in your life, well, you've learned all you need to learn, and everything is the way it is, and that's how it needs to be. I like just the opposite, kind of like you were talking about with aging and your body, stretching. Mm-hmm. So what a cool thing to do, right, is to stretch your brain and expose it to new and different ways of thinking and new and different ideologies, and, you know, boom, ba-doom, ba-doom, ba-doom. Um, so... I, I think that is, uh, I find that energizing. Man, I love, I love just the idea of being exposed. Now, I, <laughs> I have one little caveat. Uh, everybody around here makes fun of me because I'm very uh, cautious eater. <laughs> and like I, I, uh, I will wander away from a potluck just because I'm, uh, you know, who knows exactly how that was made, right? But... Um, where and how did how did that happen? I don't know. I think. See, I have this saying: I'll try anything five times. <laughs> five times? Yeah. What? Where yes. did you come up with that number? Because I like, especially with food, I'm a very adventurous eater. Yeah. And I feel like if I try something once and I don't like it, that doesn't mean I don't like it. Yeah. That might mean that I didn't like the way this restaurant prepared it, right, right. or it just wasn't the best that it could be, or maybe I like I like squid but with a different seasoning or. Mm whatever it is. And so I'm like, I'll try something at least five times before I'm willing to say, I don't like this kind of food. Yeah. 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 Like I had, I used to have a rule that I don't like, uh, Brussels sprouts and I don't really know why I had that rule because, um, well, my mother never made them. I, I mean, I was never exposed to them. I think one time I smelled them, mm-hmm. and they do smell kind of funky at mm-hmm. times. And then, uh, of all places, there was this new burger joint in our neighborhood that opened up, and they served roasted Brussels sprouts. Oh, they're so good. Man. Honey roasted Brussels sprouts? These, well, these Forget had like a, a kind of a, a balsamic glaze. Honey roasted balsamic glaze that must have Brussels been, sprouts. Bring I've em. made those. They're so good. Bring them. Bring them. Yeah, bring them. Like bring them. It's like candied vegetables. Yeah. Yeah. No, I could. Uh, and the other weird thing I love is uh, baked uh, garlic mm. cloves. Oh, yeah. I can just eat those. There's a place. I don't know if it's around anymore. We're, ter- we're converting into a foodie podcast. Yes. Ca- <laughs> it's, I, I think it was called Cafe Express. And on their condiment bar, they had cloves of garlic that had been... Uh, I think the right word is baked. I don't know. It's roasted garlic. Roasted, okay. Mm-hmm. And um, I got to tell you, I I could eat those. I would like put it a little smears bread. Smears like butter. Yeah, it's so and good. Uh, but according to my wife, my body does not uh, absorb garlic very well. And she would even say, like after multiple efforts of brushing my teeth and this and that, hey honey, tonight would you mind 
turning away from me. <laughs> Breathe away from oh, me. Oh, no. See, my partner and I are like, hey, you eating garlic? Me too. So we're just like, let's do it. Well, <laughs> we're yeah, both yeah, yeah. going to no, reek of garlic. And then you don't notice it. Exactly. No, you, <laughs> go, you both got to go all in. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Back to change, though. All right. I want to get to the plus God piece of this Life yeah, yeah, Plus yeah. God co- uh, podcast because okay. we haven't talked about faith at all. Nope. Um, how does faith, how does your faith come into play when it comes to like dealing with changes? Mm-hmm. Is it at the forefront or is it an afterthought? Like where, where does God come in? Yeah, that's a good question. I think um, I make assumptions that God is always in and with me and in and around everything. So um, I will at times kind of, uh, not always right at the very beginning, but somewhere in, let's just say in the tumult of change, like it's a hot mess change, realize that I have not prayed about it or I haven't uh and for me, praying is just uh, not, hey, God, fix this change, but God, where are you? Mm-hmm. And what do I have to learn in this change? And um, that brings some sense of, uh, hey, whatever this is and however this is going to turn out, it's going to be okay. And so, um, you know, like I'll go back to just real quickly, the whole cancer diagnosis. I really raged at God for a long time because I was like, hey, man, I work for you. I'm on your team. Uh, you're doing me wrong on this. And I'm really kind of ticked off. And I'll, call, I'll get back with you later. Yeah. <laughs> I even had one person. This is so, this just shows you how sick some people's theology is. They said to me, hey, you know that that's, uh, your cancer is a reflection of unresolved sin in your life. Oh, yeah. No, I went off on that person and uh, said some things I can't say on this about that and that God. And um, I think pretty much that ended our friendship. But, um, you know, uh, I don't I don't believe that in any way, shape or form. I don't believe God gives people cancer. I do think in my anger, I thought somehow God would protect me from it. And I also don't think that that's an aspect of God's identity. But nonetheless, for me, my faith is... Um, also community mm. is reflected in having people around me who uh, are just there, just show up. And sometimes they don't have to say anything just other than, man, this sucks. <laughs> this is hard. Or can we walk together? Mm-hmm. You know, that, that to me is just as much the church being present and faith being present. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I think that sometimes when we think of community, we think, especially in times of change and upheaval, we're like coming together to pray, coming together to worship, coming together uh, with God intentionally at the center of whatever that change is. And that's not always it. It's just, I think that one of the things about the Christian community is even when people get it wrong, they're a community of hope at the end of the day and a community of love. And if we are to, you know, believe what scripture tells us, God is love. God, I would also say God is hope. Mm -hmm. And so just to be surrounded by constant love and hope, even if you're never speaking God's name, never talking about Jesus, all of that, um, 
there's strength in that oh, I, when you're going I, I agree through 100%. changes. Yeah, and don't try don't try to contrive or um, you know don't give me a cutesy little Hallmark card or something that you know uh, mm-hmm. that kind of. Uh, acclaims this certain attribute to God, just be, you know, I think like when you were saying that, I was thinking of what a great image it is just to be like to share a common meal, mm-hmm. to sit at a table and don't, um, you know, that doesn't have to be a hot topic of the night, but just being present for one another and allowing, you know, whatever the emotion in the moment is to be real, to laugh some, cry some, have some wine, talk, have some good garlic and bread and imposter or whatever. Uh, to me, that's the church at its best. So what, and, and you're personally going back to your experiences with change, I'm assuming no matter how healthy you are, you've gotten to this point in your life where you're more accepting of change yep. than you have been in the past, but we're still human, right? What... Um, unhealthy or negative behavior emerges when the changes that are happening around you start to feel overwhelming. What is like your no go What is you your know, go-to destructive behavior? I, I run marathons. <laughs> I <laughs> fast. Uh, <laughs> all right. So how, how long do I have? So uh, I've kind of done, uh, let's see, the most destructive uh, food for comfort. Mm. Like, man, I can knock out a gallon of Bluebell, nothing flat. Uh, chips and salsa, mm-mm, uh, Over drinking, yeah, that was, uh, that was a big one. That, um, I didn't, I think that was, that came hot and heavy after my divorce. And matter of fact, that was the very first thing when I started seeing a therapist after my um, divorce, or like in the middle of it or something. He had me do kind of an inventory of everything I ate and drank and did during the day. And he looked over that and he said, okay, I need you to stop drinking today. And I didn't really have a consciousness that I was doing that. The other thing I would do was over-medicate with non-prescription medications to help me fall asleep. And, um, you know, in my mind, well, it's not bad because they're, you know, they're not prescriptions, mm-hmm. but like if I, uh, I went through a spell for a long time where I couldn't sleep. So I would double the uh, dosage of like NyQuil. And then if you've, do you ever take NyQuil? No, not, yeah. not often. It, I would have to be in dire straits to take NyQuil because it'll leave me groggy for like 14 hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. No, I, I didn't know it to name it, but basically I had that grog head at least till noon the next day. Mm. And um, I just walked around. I'm sure I was useless, really. But, um, yeah, I think your question was, say your question again. What negative behavior emerges within you when the changes start to feel overwhelming? Yeah. I guess mine are mainly food. I'll also, I will also, I'll, I'll pull a pretty big isolate on you, too. That's what mine is. Yeah. I'll kind of go cave and just uh, don't want to do, don't want to be, because I'm real bad at faking it. Mm -hmm. And like, I mean, feeling the need to fake it. Like I have to be all happy, clappy for you. 
And so my only way of knowing I'm not I'm safe from that is just to pull away from you yeah. and just go home, be home and hide. See, I'm the opposite. I don't feel the need to fake it. And so when I'm around people, I'm just ruining everybody's good time. <laughs> like, and you're kind of wishing like, like hey, Alyssa, like, fake it just a little bit for us. Go home. <laughs> um, no, but I do. I isolate. I um, pull away from people. Mm-hmm. I am very honest. Like there were, t- you know, when I was dealing with uh, one of the big changes is uh, my grandmother her her death and um i did not deal with it well i'm still not dealing with it well i think that grief has kind of taken i mean if there's a good way or a bad way to grieve but i think that i tried to ignore my grief for a long time Uh, and it is be as a result of that it is constantly emerging in unexpected ways and um but like when i go to church and people are like how are you doing i'm like i am depressed like <laughs> i'm very honest yeah. about it yeah, yeah um and and then i'm like and i am taking no questions at this time so See, i admire that because <laughs> i pull just the opposite i put on the answer that i think you want to hear and so I'm kind of betraying my own emotions, and then I'm really ticked off because I'm like, why didn't you just tell them the truth? Well, see, and that's why I end up isolating, though, because I people think that my honesty is an invitation of like, oh, let's bring it in for a hug. Let me help. Let me do and this. Let saying, me do that. And I'm like, no, I'm telling you this me. so that you know I'm atomic right now. Mm-hmm. Like, back up. Mm-hmm. Um. And so sometimes it's easier just to stay home. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And not deal with the puppy well, dog eyes. Well, that or to get just BS uh, platitudes from people. Yeah. You know, ugh. Yeah. Nobody wants that, I don't think. I was, it was so funny. I had an incident at church just last week where my grief popped out in an unexpected way. And I cried in front of a room full of strangers, mm. which is my worst nightmare. Oh, my. Worst nightmare. Dealing with change. <laughs> and... Um, someone came up to me who I hadn't met and they, they were like, I just want to tell you how brave you are and how much that meant to me. And I was like, okay. And then he was like, um, you're, I know you're not going to like this, but I'm coming in for a hug. And I was like, I said out loud, I said, I bet you're not. <laughs> and I like put up my hands and was like, no. And then my best friend swooped in because she knows me. And she's like, this girl does not want to hug right now. Back, and she swooped in and she was like, she doesn't want to hug. And she was like my personal security <laughs> guard. But it's this, when I'm dealing with changes and I'm, uh, diving into my most negative behavior, I really do. I'm, I'm vicious. Like mm. I am not hiding anything. It's the opposite of faking it. Like mm-hmm. you, like you said, maybe fake it a little bit more, mm-hmm. but I, I become like intolerable what, to be around. I wonder what that's about. Mm. I don't know. Ask my mom. No. <laughs> Shame you don't know a therapist. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and but I'm I'm not great in therapy either. I've learned because I try to be too strong. Uh, it doesn't feel maybe, like maybe not yeah. anymore because you, you we were teasing the other day about how easy you cry now. So I know, I know, could be nightmare. Um, why do you think we 
the the royal we mm-hmm. are so scared of change, even if it's positive change, even if we see something good coming, we just want things to stay the same. Yeah. Why well, is I that? I think it goes back to the big C or control. I think um, there is just an apprehension about what's in it for me. Where am I in it? Am I going to be included or excluded? Yeah. And I like I like what I like. I like my little nest. Don't come jack with my nest. Like even if things aren't good right now, at least I know what I'm I dealing know, with. I know my bad. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what might be even, you know, worse coming down the road. But uh, you're right. I think, um, I don't know. It's People would much rather know the yuck than get challenged to move. And maybe it's, I think it goes to mindset. Again, if you... People are energized if they think it could get better. But a whole lot of negative naysayers are like, oh, man, you think it's bad now, right? How many times have we heard that? It can get worse. It can get a whole lot worse. Yeah. Yeah. We kind of pull on our, what's that, that Pooh character, Eeyore? Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. So going back to the faith conversation, mm-hmm. um, what do you think is the overarching message around change in scripture? If we were going to look thematically, because there's a lot of stories of change and adjusting and yeah. reconfiguring yeah, uh, yeah. in scripture. So if we were just to go Genesis to Revelation, what's the pattern that we mm. see uh, about how we can deal with change? I think it's basically very simple. No matter where you are and what's going on, God is present in the midst of it. And it's uh, kind of humankind's ebb and flow closer to and away from, and come back to and go away from, and come back to and go away from. And um, it's kind of like when we come back, God's saying, I'm still here. Told y'all, wasn't going to run off. And we, you know, go do our thing and come back and we get lost or whatever is the travail, right? And uh, the rock in all of that, the constant in all of that is uh, however you uh, create in your mind our creator, God, God's present, manifested in all sorts of ways, whether it's the universe or community or creation, that uh, God's presence is always available to us. What are some specific stories from the Bible that kind of highlight this theme? Well, I think, uh, you know, there were the, the, the Hebrew people, the big exile, and, um, you know, 40 years they wandered in the desert. And there's all sorts of different uh, stories throughout that of people who uh, would blame this or that on God, get mad, go away, and uh, come back to find out that God, they were the ones that moved. You know, what's that saying? When you move, look around, it's not God who moved or something like that. Uh, I've never heard that before, but uh, sure. I might, I might have sure. just made it up. I don't know. Uh, and so then Jesus comes along, and uh, the way I image Jesus is God sent Jesus as our tutor. Like, okay, they are not getting this right. They need, uh, uh, you know, a substitute teacher to come in and kind of shake them up. And um, there is... Uh, well, and Jesus himself was changed that we all exactly. had to deal everything with, about too. Je- everything <laughs> like, about Jesus was changed, you know. Yeah. So knowing that you were going to probably ask this, I looked up some different Bible verses. And um, I think, actually, Paul is the author of all of these, which is unfortunate. But Why is that unfortunate? Well, because I'd like to have more than one author. I'd like to be able yeah. to quote more than just, you know, and Jesus said, but Paul said, 
Uh, I'm going to read this in uh, churchy language, and then we can talk about it in everyday language. Uh, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That is... um, that's an energizing phrase for me because I really like that imagery of, um, of that kind of uh, conformity versus transformation. And I think so often we're all about conformity when Jesus came to bring about transformation. Mm. I think that that verse has been misinterpreted a lot too, or in my mind, the way Mm -hmm. I interpret it has been different because I think that some people, when they say, do not be conformed by the patterns of this world, think, um, don't let the world change me. Oh, like like, um, cultural. It's like the secular versus Christian of like, um, I, I am unmovable and don't let this world tell you how to be, but then they, they focus on that front half and not the back half of transformed by the renewing of your mind because that requires change. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. I had a lady not uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, kind of go off on how, uh, She's kind of really kind of just bad mouthing uh, contemporary churches, our church or whatever, uh, that we conform to whatever is, you know, mm-hmm. popular now. And and it was all around different, you know, understandings of I mean, identity. The fact that we speak English in church means we conformed to what was popular <laughs> because the yeah. Catholic church was very against that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I guess when I read it, I think about conformity in, in like... Uh, abuse of others or consumption or uh, hatred or, you know, I, I, I don't know why, but I've always thought of that as, you know, the, the negative side, don't conform to that, but be transformed, be think differently because of Jesus. Well, because the patterns of this world that we see across all cultures is like fighting for power, Mm -hmm. fighting for money, fighting for resources. Mm -hmm. Like it's just us versus them mentality. And it's saying we can't, you can't live that way. You Mm -hmm. can't conform to that pattern. Um, We have to be transformed. Mm -hmm. So it's, mm-hmm. it's, I've always loved that verse too. Yep, yep I do too. Yeah. There's a, a, another one in 2 Corinthians 5. Uh, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. I like that in that uh, it just, it, I, maybe I like it because it plays into my understanding of Jesus coming to bring new ways of thinking, new ways of doing, new ways of loving, caring for, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. End of list. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) I was waiting to see if you were going to do another one. (laughs) No, that's it. So how how do you think the church historically, we kind of touched on it a little bit, but the church historically has Mm. addressed change or leaned in or away from change? Yeah. Well, that's a good question. I think uh, broadly speaking— the church, too, has been the last person in line for change. I think it has been very hesitant. Uh, you know, if I, if I believe that the church is basically the people who come together to be the church, they're the directive of the bureaucracy of, you know, church with capital C, that um, they are slow adapters and um, are leery and weary and suspicious <laughs> 
kind of like I am, of, uh, of others' motives and why are we doing this? And it's always worked out just fine. And to go to our conversation just a second ago, you know, hey, you're conforming. You're too much conforming to the world. And um, there is a reticence to do that. There's just a real, like, ooh, it's, somehow that is bad. And because of that, it's, we, it's, I think the church has always been a foot dragger. Yeah, it seems like... A lot of the conversation around that is getting caught up in like how we're do- how we're doing what we're doing of like the contemporary versus traditional worship services and mega churches that have scandals because mm. of sex or drugs or money or whatever name yep. it. Right. Um, people look at that and see say see see what happens when you conform to the patterns of this world. And if you, if everything was just more traditional, more, you know, and, and this idea that traditional is sacred, but then also when we refuse to change, the church becomes obsolete and yep. it's not relevant to people today, which makes sense to me too. So it's just like this constant tension, but it's all about how we're doing, how we're spreading the message of Jesus, how we're worshiping God, how we're doing these things, Mm -hmm. as opposed to asking the question, like, why? Why are we doing this? Like, who is this for? And like, I don't know. We just get so caught up in the mechanics uh, as opposed to the message message. itself. Yeah, yeah. I wonder what that's about. Uh, You know, I mean, I'm thinking of all the huge historic changes, uh, like even you know, going back, it wasn't that long ago that it was a big deal for um, women to be ordained, women to speak, women to teach in church, and um, you know, basically that grew out of some uh, uh, misunderstood or misaligned scriptures of what Paul had said. And um, so, was that fear? Was that no, no? You know, if we change, we're not going to really adhere to what Scripture says, and. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the counterside of that would be, well, you know, do you have the corner on the market of interpreting Scripture? And um, I think that's going to continue to be the the thing that people fight over for years to come is who who is the most right when they read the Bible? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I guess I'm at the point now that, that uh, I find that so weary that I— um, I, I, what I see when you do that, or not you, but people do that, is the hypocrisy of picking things out. And they, they use their understanding um, to work for them, uh, all the while they're not aligning with other things. So, I don't know. But um, there are churches uh, who set examples of being uh, dynamic in change. And I think that's smart. I think that, that if, if the goal of your institution, i.e. the church, is to take the message of Jesus transforming love into different places. You have to experiment with that in different in different venues, even like right now, there's a church that's doing a, uh, a gathering in a nightclub in downtown Dallas, um, uh, House of Blues. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that's really cool. I think... Um, I think all of us are called to experiment in different ways to get messages out. And who's to say um, 
you know, I think one of the things that was the down is hurting the church is we thought we had a certain way and it was about building buildings and putting a lot of money in buildings and creating these big edifices that people would come to. Converting people, getting them to claim Jesus as their savior. Yeah. Um, and now people don't have to go success. anywhere. Just, yeah. just look at, you know, the, the, uh, and I think a lot of this was brought on by the pandemic, but I can go and do and be anywhere instantly through my, uh, device through my phone or through my laptop. So, uh, you know, whether it's the workplace or the education or worship, uh, physical structures, I think are going to begin to be really reevaluated as to what their purpose is. Okay. So broad strokes, what does the church need to change about the way we love people? Capital C church. Yeah. Worldwide. I I think, we have to uh, be really sensitive to our message that seems exclusive, that we love you when or if. What what would be wrong with just saying, we love you, we love you, and that we don't have to be the arbiter of uh, you meeting a standard to be loved, that that's uh, who and how you are is your business. And you don't have to like audition or qualify or um, for me to love you. That I think what Jesus said is just love, love your neighbor, love your neighbor without condition. And um, I don't think we do that very well. Mm. I think we add a lot of asterisks about uh, even, you know, language, nationality, color, gender, sexuality, uh, all of that. Uh, I'll love you if or when you, uh, I feel comfortable around you. Mm-hmm. And if I don't, then I'll probably just wander away from you or exclude you. Mm. Uh, and like, well, that's, you know what, that's just not the calling of our church to reach those people. (laughs) I don't think that's in the Bible anywhere. What do you think is, uh, the difference between change and transformation and how, how can we move Mm -hmm. from Mm -hmm. change to transformation? Yeah. I think, um, I think change is probably uh, able to be isolated into uh, specific genres or areas, uh, whereas transformation is a totality. Like I think you could say change uh, uh, in, in, you know, let's say you have these body, mind, spirit, or emotional, physical, spiritual, mental. I think change is when you uh, or I come upon one of those and begin to isolate it and go, okay, I'm going to really get um, healthier. Well, so let's just use that as an example. People who want to be healthier know that in reality, it's more than just working out every day, right? So as you get healthier, you... uh, affect what you take in your body. So you're, you know, you're eating differently. You're beginning to probably think about nutrition and, um, you know, the values of things that you previously thought, well, I'll just run, you know, I'll eat a burger and just run it off. Uh, and then probably the more you do that, the more you're beginning to contemplate your emotions and your feelings and your motivation. So to me, that that you see that little that progression from change to transformation. I think mm-hmm. transformation is probably a lot more complex, probably more um, gradual, mm-hmm. but yet more uh, overarching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that transformation 
is more spiritual and change is more um, tangible. Like when we talk about change, maybe we have a checklist of like specific things changes that we can make in our day-to-day life, but transformation requires introspection and a lot of um, internal work to be done mm-hmm. that is very abstract and hard to wrap our heads yeah. around. I also like, for some reason, I don't think that this is blanket true, but like when I'm thinking, what's the difference between change and transformation? Change feels more passive. Like it's something that's happening to me or like it's a, it's a Mm. thing. And, um, transformation is something that I'm choosing to participate in, Mm. but I don't know if that's good either because you can participate in change. Just the opposite that like change is something I can write down on a to-do list. Whereas transformation is so uh, all inclusive that it is hard to identify it in a, in like a list. Like you can't plan transformation. That it is an accumulation of a lot of different changes, changes in thinking, changes in habit, and, you know, slowly but surely, uh, suddenly you have a different way of doing, different way of being, different value system. You know, Mm -hmm. if you think about it, full transformation in my mind is just everything that used to be the way you did life, thought about life, processed it, is now different than it was X time ago. It's hard. And probably it's, it has to go back to the C word, right? Um, you keep saying the C word. And there are a few different C there words. There are control, control, <laughs> control or cancer, control or cancer. Just all thinkers put those two on the C word I guess list. change is a C word too. Yeah. <laughs> Chaos. Yeah. There's a lot of, we should. Let's do a worship series called the C word. <laughs> Man, cool. That'll that'll bring them Create. in. Create, yeah. <laughs> then there's a bunch that we probably shouldn't say on the on yeah. the podcast. But no, um, no, no. That's pretty intriguing because I think that their the whole like um, I don't know, just the field of change or transition or transformation or movement. Um, there's just a lot of different uh, ways it intersects with our consciousness, and uh, I don't know. We need to get a deep thinking, like meta, metaphysical kind of person in here to talk about that. Yeah. Well, let's just make it a, a goal to try and move forward, be open to change. Maybe yep. that's the only thing we can do right now is just stay open to it. Mm-hmm. And then maybe someday it'll turn into transformation. <laughs> All of a sudden we'll wake up in 10 years and go, I'm transformed. Oh my gosh. Listen, you changed. Look at you. There are people hugging you. You must yeah. have, what happened to you? Oh, butterfly. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you yeah. so much, Doug. This is a great conversation and I can't yeah. wait to have you back on again. It's always engaging and fun. And uh, yeah, thanks for opting The Life Plus God podcast is hosted, written, and produced by me, Alyssa Robinson, and sponsored by Treach Memorial United Methodist Church in Flower Mound, Texas. If you live in the Flower Mound area, I invite you to stop by and see if Treach could be your new church family. You can learn more about all of our programs and events at tmumc.org, and I hope to catch you next week for our next episode of the Life Plus God podcast.